just the fact that they believe that he's the yeah, best coach 100%, is yeah. unbelievably powerful. Then if the fact that he is as well, like that's the buy-in that sometimes coaches, if there's any bit of doubt, they don't get that. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Dad Pod. Well, this is a video sure thing as well. Does have a name? Podcast. Oh, midlife crisis. Howdy, daddy. Mm. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Dadcast. That's not bad, actually. Dadcast with Nivea Men. Try Ireland's number one skincare brand. All right, you're very welcome along to episode three, season three of Dadcast. All the dads are here. Dave is here. Dave, how are you? Oh, you're on mute. Nathan's here. Nathan, how are you? I don't think I'm on mute. No, not muted. Ah, now you're there. You're welcome back, Dave. Thank you. Um, Adrian Barry is here. Adrian, how are you? Uh, Dave and myself are touchy because we've been sitting there waiting for you a couple of beautiful people for the last 20 minutes. So how, do you deal with your, how do you deal with your children when they uh, don't leave the house on time? <laughs> do you take that well? Roar, I roar at them. I throw their uh, scooters over the hedge and I put their lunch in a black, black bag and throw them. No. Um, yeah, sometimes it's a bit of everything, isn't it? Go on. Um, you decided not to be too giving in this season of, of Dadcast, but you yeah. know a bit better than that. I, I don't. I, I have heard you lads talking about that before. Uh, it's not that it's not. It's not that it can't. It, it can't be at times stressful. Of course, it can. But largely, you just keep the train moving, and people, you know, largely. Uh, one we have one um, lodger in the house who's particularly um, challenges your uh, your patience when you're uh, at times trying to get out the door and is kind of refusing to cooperate in any way, shape or form. So that can be challenging. Um, there was a We had a birthday party across the road not that long ago and um, we were having evening dinner and then sort of, you know, the uh, vegetables were not been eaten. So I said, well, if the veg isn't eaten, then well, you ain't going across the road for cake. You and I are going to stay here and um, we'll see how all that goes. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> this particular character was like, fair, fair enough. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll sit this one out, and um, <laughs> uh, we eventually had to come to some sort of compromise so that we didn't have to embarrass ourselves as a family by not turning up. And, um, and in other words, he he called your bluff and won. Uh, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. But I I kind of felt you know the way you know the way you make accommodations for, you know, you got me this time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, I kind of felt as if you know, exception that I'm making is not the new rule, but it <laughs> actually right. is the new rule. But the act of saying, the act of having a bit of a Barney about it, I felt was like enough, you know, enough. Because you also have to compromise, right? Like you have to sort of, um, you have to be flexible. You know, I think it would be would have been totally unreasonable to have said, if you haven't eaten your veg, then we, we we're not, ultimately we're not going to have, to have uh, seen that one out. Um so yeah, we did. We did go at some point, and cake was had. Cake was had. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, you know, the antithesis of this show is obviously experts or anybody who knows anything about um, what they're actually doing. But I do remember reading an expert one time saying that whole kind of "if you don't do this, you can't have that" thing doesn't work, and yet we find ourselves doing it all the time, mm-hmm. and it never works. It just never works. It just creates resentment. What, what? And- one thing that I would say, right, that um, there is current wisdom, right? And the current wisdom changes all the time. Like there are books published, there are experts in the field, all of that sort of stuff. I kind of think 
who was it? Was it James Horan years ago who said, um, James Horan might have been one of the Kerry managers. Could have been Jack O'Connor's first stint. Can't remember. One of them had said uh, there was a bit of chat about sort of the style of football or the backroom team or whatever it was. And they said, listen, I'm going to, if this isn't going to work out, it's not going to work out on my terms. And I kind of feel that would be my approach to it, that it's not that you're, you don't pay attention to some of the wisdom and the expertise that is out there. But ultimately, you can't be looking back in 20 years' time and saying, well, we, you know, we effed this up because we read this thing on Instagram or read this thing in a book. Uh, I think you have to be saying, we, we effed this up because of our own decisions, right? Like, that would be my view. It's not to be ignorant or to ignore the uh, uh, the wisdom or whatever that's out there, of yeah, course. But that, at the same time, die by, die by your own decisions. Well, in this specific example, the expert says, we're doing it wrong. And uh, you're like, no, I'm happy that I screwed this up on my own. <laughs> But he's an expert who doesn't live with, with my kids. Yeah. So he doesn't know if I'm doing it wrong. The only person who can truly make a, an informed anal- analysis of whether we're doing it right or wrong is me and my wife. Not this guy. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my kids. and doesn't know their personalities and doesn't know our family dynamic. And I disagree wholeheartedly with your premise, Chair, that the, well, we're not going to do this if you don't do this uh, uh, approach doesn't work. It works regularly in our house. Um, almost always, I would say I would have at least a sixty percent strike rate when it comes wow. to the to the use of that. And usually, it's up for something small enough. Like you have to use it in a situation where the thing that you're looking to get them to do is pretty achievable. So it's not like if you haven't if you haven't finished this novel, this novella by five o'clock, <laughs> you're not going training. But it, small things like right, well, look, at least there's ten pieces of carrot on that plate. Seven of those need to be eaten in the next 10 minutes or you'll sit there and you'll watch your brother eat his ice cream. So if you're into watching other people eat ice creams that you won't have, fire away, leave those carrots on the plate. Always works. That kind of thing almost um, always works. But what if they don't do it? Then he gets to sit there and watch his brother eat an ice cream. But how often does that happen? Almost re- never because he knows that what he's been asked to do is quite a small thing. So I'm going to suck it up and do it. Because that ice cream is important to me. Um, okay. Well, look, uh, we find that that does, our children are too bloody minded. They're like, no, you've you've made this thing into this big deal. Now I'm gonna call your bluff, and um, uh, that's good. But you did say sixty percent strike rate, which is a good solid C, Dave. I see that. <laughs> How would you rate your parenting? Good solid C. We're not bad. Not not the worst. There are some other clowns who are doing it worse than us. I think any parent out there, if they were being graded over a 10 to 15 year period, would bite your hand off for a C. <laughs> a good solid C grade for this episode. Hand it out in the first five minutes. We're like, yes, a lap of honor. Oh, there we go. Isn't it Dadcast awesome? is in partnership. Dadcast is in partnership with Nidia Men. I'll do with you on it. Sanna. Go on, Adrian. You no, you go for it. You do you. Go on, you, do, go on. you, do you. I was going to just say that I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were like, they were asking about like, you know, your, what? Do you want me to do the, the commercial read? Yeah, I'm like, saying, I'm saying, saying I love Nivea. You're saying go for it, but then you're like not stopping talking. It's like, yeah, okay. Right, I did say go enough. for it, then you stopped. Now I'm going to put myself on mute here and you go and, you go and do your thing. Dadcast is in partnership with Nivea Men. Want to feel great in your skin? Nivea Men has you covered from sensitive, tailored skincare to cleansing and anti-age. Try Ireland's number one men's skincare brand. 
Go on, Adrian. Um, I was just going to say that I was talking to somebody about something the other day and they were like, what type of a parent are you? Are you do you do this bit this way or do you, is it like this thing over here? And uh, my point was that it's everything, every day. What's that? What's the thing that won the Oscars? What's the thing that all at once? That. That's, that. That is our house every day. Like we're, sometimes we're a C, sometimes we're an A, loads of times we're an F. It's like a little bit of everything all the time. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? We have a, had a big response to showing up, which I think is the main life lesson that uh, we've done. Maybe this is actually episode four. I can't remember. Is it episode three? Four. But anyway, these four. Right. Four. <clears throat> episode four. The first three episodes, um, two of them double dropped after a little bit of technical wizardry in the background. And so there was a surge in interest. We made it to number one in the podcast charts for the parenting subsection in Apple. <laughs> but, you know. A lot, a lot of people are parents, and so therefore you would expect that there are a lot of people listening to parenting podcasts. Well, that's the marvel. Well, Amy Huberman, Amy Huberman was second, and I'm fairly sure Amy has like a million listens a month, so we must be doing pretty well. Well, the moral, think, of like, the, uh, the moral of the podcast chart story is keep slicing and splicing and re-subsectioning those subsections until you end up with a, uh, a sample size of which you can definitely be on top. Just keep doing it. Keep just <laughs> drilling down there, lads. I mean, yeah, okay. Or or the fact I, I'm taking the show up. That's the most important thing. You know, do the things that your kids want to do. Be there for them. Don't, you know, be flaky. Even if you're, you even if you're half-hearted, half-interested, half-sitting in the car, you know, as long as we're here, that's all that matters. On your phone. Uh, right. <clears throat> this one comes from Dave and Amy in Nace. Uh, hey there, lad. Delighted to have you back and not a moment too soon. I wrote to you back in August 2020 when my wife was a few weeks pregnant with her first, telling you that I'm lazy and asking if parents have a reservoir of energy they can dip into to keep them going. I can't quite remember what you said. Neither can we. But the short answer is that yes, they do. But you do have to keep it replenished with naps any opportunity you get. My wife still laughs sometimes and reminds me of that email and how needlessly I worried. I'm writing to you now at 1 a.m., after having been awoken by our now two-year-old, Luke, who I have resettled and who I'm sleeping in the room with because his sleep is a bit erratic this week. Can't complain too much, though. He's mostly a good sleeper these days, and he's a good boy. But you can take it that we're navigating our way through all the many and varied challenges that parenting presents us with. We understand the code for sometimes we don't really like our own children, but most of the time, all of the time, we love them. That doesn't mean that those little periods where we dislike them are longer than they should be. But anyway... Sorry, that was uh, me as an aside. Uh, one more. So challenge due in November. Yes, we're pregnant now at number two and quite excited, but a little daunted. So I'm back again looking for advice from you. What do I need to know about juggling a demanding two to three-year-old and a newborn? How do we maintain our sanity and composure? How do we ensure the toddler doesn't become a demon in response to the new arrival? Many thanks, Dave and Amy and Nace. Well, first off, congratulations. That's great news. Um, I, I am completely, I'm going out on a limb here, but I, fairly sure that the problem with the second child is that it's actually so easy that you lull yourself into thinking this is grand we'll have a third and that's the bit where you make your chronic mistake you've been through the worst of it with the first one second one is grand because you kind of know what you're doing and there's two of you and it's like man marking job number three is the, the second bomb that goes off after the first bomb well let's not have him worrying about number three when they're only pregnant with number two that's another fight for him. For he's just, he's just, in fairness, it's a good warning because, you know, 
if he's ill prepared, number three may just happen. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about that bottle of wine that time? There's a man speaking speaking from the well of experience. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> for you, Dave. for you. Well, it won't happen to me. Certain steps have been taken to ensure that will not happen to me. But I don't want to rain on this guy's parade because I was very much in that. <clears throat> section of parents who had been told when we were telling people that we were expecting our first child that it was not fun and that it was a daunting experience and you'd lose your independence and life would never be the same and your life would not be your own and all of the naysayers were just so wrong they were completely wrong nothing they had predicted that would come to pass in our life anyway did come to pass. It was just the most unbelievably fun roller coaster ride. I was given the gift of time. I was able to watch all the highlight shows I could always struggle to watch um, because there was two of us against one and one, the mother was on maternity leave. Everyone got a, each person got to lie on every second day. It was amazing. Having the second child is like jumping off the edge of a cliff where there's sharp rocks at the bottom and you do not have a parachute. <laughs> You're back in your routine, given that his uh, son is two, is between two and three, he said his uh, yeah, yeah. first child was. So you're back in your routine. You're ho- Hopefully that child is sleeping. Our first was a really good sleeper. They're starting to eat properly. The, uh, the nappies are a bit more manageable. and They're starting to speak to you. They're just getting to that stage in life where they can e- maybe begin to articulate what's on their mind. And then the rug gets pulled out from underneath everybody. And it is a literal and figurative shit show for at least the first six months. And that's before you touch on the feelings of the first child and how out of touch and out of place they suddenly feel. So uh, best of luck with that. I hope you enjoy it. One huge tip I would give, and now obviously in the current climate of issues with childcare and uh, cost of childcare and lack of childcare places, one of our big regrets was that we didn't put our first child into childcare for at least maybe three or four hours a day because when I, I was away would work an awful lot as you guys know around that time and it was incredibly tough on my wife at the time so one, when we look back we would have been thinking even with just three or four hours a day if the two-year-old had been in a creche or with a minder it would have made a massive difference I don't know if that's possible or plausible in this specific case but that would be one piece of advice I might bestow upon him um, the ECC is obviously two years now as well so you're I think when you turn three is it the January of the year you turn three or after you turn three yeah. so he was, he was just a bit too young for that at the time but in this instance that might actually make a lot of sense that you could, could do yeah yeah um, I, I, that definitely we were in the Nathan camp where um, the situation of having the second one was uh, now we'd actually had a miscarriage in between so I think we were just pretty happy about the fact that it happened and our eldest was a bit older because of that so there was a, a, obviously more of a gap than there turned out to be between two and three which is basically Irish twins um, so yeah you'd be, beware of the Irish twins I would say the, you know this is a big enough workload on its own and I would have said that the difference between one and two is that like you, there's just another one whereas the difference between two and three is that like brownie in motion that goes everywhere I wouldn't want people to believe that I'm saying we weren't happy or obviously we were a bit delighted. I was so happy that boy number one had a little brother. That was incredible. And the new guy straight away, you could tell he was a character and it was going to be a lot of fun. But it's more that you're in your route, back in your routine. You've got your life back. 
uh, in terms of proper sleep and everything seems to be far more manageable on a day-to-day basis. That just yeah. gets thrown completely out the window again. Yeah, yeah. All the all the uh, the medical stuff that comes with having babies, you, you forget about it. You, the oxytocin kicks, kicks in and um, it has a placebo effect on the, the man. And like, oh, it was, it was fine. It was all all right. <laughs> um, right. There's great, you guys, there's, great, there's great stuff, obviously, after when you get past that. Like Dave talks about the shittiness of that first six months, maybe even a year. There's great stuff after that. I mean, it's basically like, you know, the theory about having two dogs where they will, you know, on the best of days, they'll occupy each other and they'll look after each other and they'll hang out together. And that will give you um, time to catch up on the highlight shows and whatever else you're doing. And beat the lard out of each other. They will beat the lard out of each other also. Like yeah. prepare to spend much of your life, certainly from the ages of three upwards, being a referee. And uh, one of those boxing ring referees where you're constantly having to step in and possibly you might take get caught in the crossfire when you're at it. I filmed a bit of that and I'm really glad I did because it's it's great to look back on. Where <laughs> And they laugh now where our middle child would be like sitting on our youngest and when she sees it now, she like can't, can't stop laughing at it. I remember filming it at the time and sending it around and my family being, oh, why, why aren't you stopping? This is like horrific. I was like, well, because at some point this is going to be funny. And I, I mean, I found it funny pretty much from the start. So maybe it's just, a, uh, maybe that's an F as opposed to a C level parenting. But in the, I now look back and go, that was actually top quality. You, you need to record the good stuff as opposed to just the, here's our posed Instagram picture. Well, myself and uh, Adrian were chatting to somebody last night who has a relatively newborn baby. And that we were literally recommending that to take as much video as you possibly can uh, at all stages. Because I find now when it comes up in my Google memories, the lads absolutely love it. Looking back at when they were two and three and they've been lunatics and all of that because it feels like a lifetime ago. And there's loads of bits then in between where you're going, why didn't I take a video here for like three months? All I have is photographs which don't really tell me anything about anything. Uh, We have that regret. We haven't, we didn't take enough video and it is a regret of ours that we can't just dip in and and uh, some of the videos as well from when the youngest guy was very young in his first year, like him crawling for the first time, walking for the first time, that's disappeared. I don't know where it's gone. It's not in the cloud. It's not in Google videos, Google photos, anywhere. So that is, yeah, I would say take as much video as you possibly can. The other ma- great thing, one of the major positives about having that second child, he will learn very quickly how much they have learned on the basics. Like they'll, himself and his wife will turn to each other at some stage and go, do you remember how badly we screwed this up the first time? Whether that's sleep patterns, whether it's nappy changes, whether it's, you know, the steps that you would take to ensure that, you know, the the, the walls of the carpet aren't destroyed or at potty training, all that kind of stuff. You do. Yeah, and that's expense. Yes. You're an expert in some regards that where you just obviously yeah. weren't before because just nobody had a clue what was going on. You don't know what you're doing. Right. And let's move on. Uh, snip, snip, hooray. Pete says, hey, lads, second, delighted to have you all back. You've sold me on the snip. Good man, Pete. Maybe we can get a job lot organized for a bunch of DadCast listeners where it's like 400 instead of 500 quid. And you can all go in together, get your lads out, bzz, 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 and away you go. You'll have uh, beers afterwards. On the I saw a, um, uh, sorry, I'm going off topic again, um, as you're just about to get started there, Derek. Uh, something in the UK where they do for uh, fathers of girls, which is plats and beers. There's basically a company that runs these nights in pubs where they show you how to put plaits in your daughter's hair while you're having a beer. <laughs> Genius. It's a great idea. It feels like the plaits because are the important bit of that. 
Well, long term, because uh, I've always uh, like the difference when I'm doing my daughter's hair when she's going to school and when my wife is doing where it's some work of art, whereas when I was like, well, together, that's sad now for two seconds. And I somehow managed to do an even ponytail and I'm delighted with myself. Also, Nathan, yeah, you know, be, you know, it could be wondrous. You know the kind of world we're living in now, Nathan? I mean, there may be some sons out there that want their hair plaited also. Let's well, let's take that box. Well, they can. I feel like you really want to go off on something there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Again, given the current climate, that is as far as I'm willing to go. Okay. Uh, okay. On the subject of places to go, the New Park Hotel in Kilkenny is unreal. They've loads of huge dinosaurs, go-karts, zip lines, kids club, nature trails. Top, top place. Highly recommended. Thank me later. Pete. So there you go. We were asking for recommendations after. Was somebody going to Amber Springs last week? or I'm going in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, I think the New Park and Amber Springs are somehow related. I'm not sure. Certainly the New Park is part of a wider group. Um, yeah, have you been to the New Park? No, you were raving about it. I haven't. Sorry, I haven't been there, but I have been in Kilkenny when our relations were down. We've gone to visit them. I think twice and both times, like they have this, uh, the, out the back is like Amber Springs, but um, Amber Springs might sue me, I'm going to say it's bigger, <laughs> better, more impressive. I don't know, but it's, uh, yeah, it definitely works for, for kids. Um, okay, so that one, go get the snip. That's what we recommend. And then this last one, a uh, piece of correspondence for this week's dadcast at off the ball, by the way, dadcast at off the ball.com for email. Uh, or you can get us at Dadcast Pod on Twitter. So, lads, first of all, great work to have you back. Who do I thank? It's great to hear you all, says Brian. So, where do you all stand on baby monitors? For me, I would have got shot of them at between six and 12 months max. I would subscribe to the Russian orphanage principle of let them give out, but after a few weeks of that, they will not become over-dependent on you at bedtime at least. Don't get me wrong. If I heard a cry from the room, I'd be in more or less within reason. But in the summer, my kids will turn six and seven. Irish twins. Oh, Jesus, that's a different pod. Yes, it is. We'll do that one too. But my wife still has the baby monitors on and cannot be convinced otherwise, predominantly saying she can't hear them if they do cry out or whatever. But again, lots of butts here. Sure, of course, they call out because they know they can get a response. I've had the conversation with her about being uh, concerned what I'll hear when they bring home their first partners. To no avail, she's just not ready to get rid of only love to hear your views on what you did on this. Uh, I have a few more things waiting in the wing, but in all honesty, this is the big one right now. So thanks, Brian, for getting in touch. Dadcast at offtheball.com. Baby monitors, when did you get rid of them? First thing that jumps to mind for me there is, do you remember that little Britain sketch where there were, <laughs> you, do you remember, pity, pity, and the guy was like 37. That's, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I do think, you know, I think they've overshot the runway with the with the monitors. I think I think our our our, our man there is uh free environment here, Adrian. Advice, advice, not judgment, advice. I think that I think that um I think I find it hard to disagree with him, I must say. I'd be interested in getting his wife's point of view, so if he wants to or she wants to get in touch and let us know. But on the face of it, from the information that's available, I think that um turn the monitors off because He's right. Like, ultimately, if they know, they're going to call out and there's somebody in the room within two seconds. You know yourself. Like, kids are obviously, even at that age, they're obviously dreaming, they're disturbed. You can't be in and out to them every two seconds. Most of the artists do that and you just don't pay them any attention and they go back to sleep again. Like, we have, so ours is 14 months, 15 months. And so he sort of has a monitor 
some nights and other nights he doesn't obviously we're sort of in the process of unwittingly fading that out of his life uh, and he you know you even the time he, on. huh because you forget to turn it on oh we forget to turn it on or I fell asleep on the couch and I didn't wake up until half five in the morning so that sort of stuff and he's grand do you know what I mean like it's fine and like sometimes it means that he'll cry for 10 or 15 minutes but we're uh, again unwittingly conditioning him to know that every time he calls out we're not coming rushing into him so look, I don't know. I I I take your point, or you don't want to be uh, judgy about these things. And so I'm trying to give my experience slash advice. Judge away, judge away. What the hell are you doing, lad? What the hell are you doing? Put them in the bin. <laughs> just just yeah, like uh, accidentally pour a pint on them. Oh, the water spilled on them and they're broken. They're not yeah. waterproof. There might be a couple of circumstantial aspects to this one, and that. Perhaps they live in a huge house, a mansion, and the kids are sleeping in the east wing, and him and his wife are sleeping in the west wing. And True. the only way they could possibly hear each other is if by the use of monitors. Now, I would say that's probably unlikely, but let's bear that in mind. Secondly, maybe he, <laughs> maybe he and his wife are unbelievably deep sleepers, and if even one of their kids screaming in the middle of the night might not wake them, so there might be a little fear of that as well. But oh, that'd if, be great. <laughs> yeah, totally. If neither of those apply in this situation, I do think they're past the need of there being monitors. Now, in like to give you the example of us, my wife is a very deep sleeper. I'd be a very light sleeper. And often, certainly four days a week, the younger guy always sleeps through the night no matter what. The older guy who's eight... Four nights a week, he might make up once in the middle of the night and tell us that he can't sleep or that he had a bad dream. But he just, he lies in his bed and he just calls out. He just calls, Daddy. And I'll always be the one to hear it. She will wake up the following morning. I've been completely unaware that there was any activity during the night. But I'll go in and obviously tuck him in, tell him to count sheep or whatever it is. But there's absolutely no need for a monitor. And our monitors were gone very early. I'd say at the absolute most, the younger guy was two, but I'd say probably a lot earlier than that. So I would be a very interesting as I'd get the perspective of his wife in this situation, because I'm not sure what possible need there is for it. Uh, it's more of an attachment to it at this stage that maybe it's for their good or her good rather than the good of the children. And that it might just take, if we're used to use the word weaning yourself off it, it's weaning the parents off this than the children. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we were the same time-wise. Um, you can edit this out if it goes against all safety protocols. One thing I would advise any new parent not to do is get one of those things that's those monitors that uh, has an alarm on it where they lie in the bed and if they don't move for long enough, it goes off. That's just bringing undue stress onto yourself. Did you get one of those? We had one. It came with the monitor. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the alarm went off at one stage. Right, I was like, was that oh, just God! for the cost? Was that just for the cotter the when cough. they were in their own bed? It's just for the cough. You see, there's a there's a there's a uh, there's a mental issue around that. In that, once as a couple, you broach the idea of that monitor, you kind of have to see it through. Like once that conversation yeah. has been had, because the guilt, the guilt, because if yeah, because if so if like you know, God for, God forbid, there's a cot death or something, and. And you had discussed getting that monitor and then you didn't follow it through. I, 
I mean, that's just like the most god-awful situation that a pair could possibly be in. So I think beware of even having of having those thoughts or having that conversation because you may feel that you've mentally railroaded yourself into having to go out and get that. But I, for if you're a new parent in particular, anything that allows you to sleep a little more easily at night, I think I would have certainly no problem with that. But, um, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. We're definitely talking no. about this has gone on too long. And if, if one of you think it's gone on too long, then you need to use whatever powers of persuasion and influence you have to like, um, like how can you have, how can you be having crack yourselves? That like, they're going to be staying up later and later and later. And the amount of like you time that you have every evening is diminishing rapidly. And so you should be protecting that jealously for now because it's going. And also the, the monitor is a two-way system, isn't it? Once you press the button. So, if their kids are six and seven, surely they are talking to them while they're down watching a movie on a Saturday night. Surely the older guy in particular is kind of leaning across to the bedside locker and saying, uh, I can't sleep. Are you going to come up here? So I would I'd be surprised. If, yeah, exactly. I'd be surprised if that wasn't because by the end of our monitor days, when the when the younger guy was 18 months, but the, the, the older lad was pushing four, he was hitting that button. He was talking mm-hmm. to us. I mean, that was another reason to get rid of the thing. Um, right, that was this week's correspondence. Anybody else want to talk about anything before we? All right, tumbleweeds. That's exactly what you want in a program like this. Uh, I brought I brought the eight year old to the Latvia game last night. Oh, and um, it's incredible the innocence, the naivety, naivety of the young budding developing football fan, the excitement with which they gall- they galloped into the Aviva Stadium in the rain to watch the one hundred and thirty third ranked nation in the world and I was thinking I oh, will soon beat that out of them but um, like the dad well look obviously in hindsight as friendlies go we were given we got five goals and an Ireland win and a, a debut goal or a first goal for, for Evan Ferguson which is great but um, the dads were consoling themselves with the fact that there were pre-match pints had and that there are also there's also the visit to, to the Aviva on Monday to watch Mbappe and Griezmann and those boys as a kind of a uh, an atonement for the sufferings of last night. But it was an inter- interesting to see how quickly the kids lost interest. But then they, they always seemed to time it perfectly where they take retake their seats for a goal because there was five or six of them. So they were having the crack. They were running up and down the steps and they were making up all sorts of chasing games and everything. The stewards, in fairness, as long as they weren't getting too ready, the stewards were happy enough for it to let it go. So that that was nice of them. But uh, that's the first time I've brought them to a game that wasn't re- of real importance. And uh, they, they did seem to enjoy it. So anyone out there who is considering bringing their kids to the Aviva, over 40,000 for a friendy, unbelievable, on a wet night. But uh, overall, it was a good experience. Yeah, very good. Grassroots, obviously, also available for next to nothing. Uh, first time I've seen it, Nathan, you might have been to the Viva for soccer matches more recently than me, but constant promotion of League of Ireland games on the revolving b- mm. electronic billboards around in between the tiers and the stands, which I hadn't seen before, which I thought was uh, an interesting development and, and a good one too. Yeah, they're uh, definitely getting a bit better, I think, at promoting it. It's interesting as well. I I found in my lads that they haven't had great interest in Ireland. Like they've been to a good few of the matches, but you know it's Premier League superstars. But like the last week has been Evan Ferguson. Suddenly they have a hero again. Mm-hmm. It's like the excitement this morning. Did you see? He scored! He scored! He scored! He scored! He scored! Like wow! But I have found interesting. They haven't had anybody. The by eight year old, he's learned fast that there's absolutely no chance ever. 
that Ireland will win a World Cup. So he's watching Lionel Messi lift the World Cup and he's thinking, God, look at all those guys. He's looking at Javi Martinez who has a World Cup winner's medal around his neck. Oh, God, that would be the most amazing thing. And I want, I want to be a professional footballer. But do I have to play for Ireland? Is there any chance that Ireland will win a World Cup by the time I'm growing up? I said, look, there's literally zero chance. Like, it just will never, ever happen. It, there's a, there's a good chance we may never qualify for a World Cup again. So let's just take it in small doses oh and we'll hopefully, <laughs> hopefully get to it, hopefully qualify some year. So then immediately he starts. And kids, and kids, kids, we're also not going to send you a, to a private school. So there's also no chance you'll win in a rugby World Cup either. He's going to be able to explore other options. He wants to explore other options. He's a, asking me, time. he asked, where are my grandparents from? Because he knows about the granny rule. He says, is there any chance I could do what Jorginho did and play for um, Italy? And I said, um, well, you probably need... Jorginho doesn't have Italian ancestry, I don't think. It's because he was living in Italy for so many years that he was able to play for the Italians. So he's he's thinking, what country can he go and live in for long enough whereby... I know if you spend enough time in the academy system of a club in a country that you can then play for the national team. The Cavan thing has already been blown out of the water, Nathan, because I think you have to be... Uh, I don't think it's your grandparents who have played, who have come from the county. I think it has to be a. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd say that'll be changed by the time by the time they're ready for senior <laughs> in the county. Yeah. Well, maybe because he already knows there might be more chance of of playing inter county football for Cavan than than there might be for Dublin. But yeah, it's very interesting oh. to see how quickly these lads wise up to the uh, the possibilities of success at international level when they're older. Crushing analysis from uh, his manager there uh, of the under eights. I don't think you're going to make it. You're going to start looking at tier three teams. Under nines. I don't think he's yeah. got a Latvian grandmother, so he's struggling there already. Um, the I sent you the video yesterday, the new ad for the campaign that's launching around um, consent. Uh, it's a new campaign called We Consent, and um, the Dublin Rape Crisis Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and the Department of Justice have funded research and the research is basically saying that everybody thinks consent is important and that conversations about consent would lead to better outcomes and more equality and uh, I know we've briefly touched on this before on the podcast but um, when when are you talking to your children about consent? What age did the video recommend that you do that? Well the video doesn't recommend anything, the video is like uh, showing that actually um, sex should be pleasurable and consent can be a positive thing and actually um, we need to have a conversation that isn't oh, uh, everybody there's like a, a, a gender stereotype that um, women are gatekeepers men are chasers and that actually you know, um, that comes from a um, position of shame that we all inherited for whatever reason. I can get into that some other time if we want to isn't it uh, like uh, I'm? I'm obviously the least qualified to talk about this, given that my kids are uh, younger than yours. But um, it feels to me already like it's a kind of a gradual conversation. Like uh, there probably is a point where you have to sit down and have the literal conversation about what consent is and what it means. But certainly for our crowd at the minute, with the older two, six and four, they're going around talking about like um, private parts and have all sorts of names for it. And it's like, it's the funniest thing in the world for them, obviously, at the minute. And so the, it opens the door to loads of conversations around that stuff about what's appropriate. Um, obviously, you just need to, um, at four years old, obviously, there's no amazing deep conversation to have. But I do think you can start to introduce broad themes of bringing awareness to them about what is appropriate and what's not. And like, 
yeah, so I don't know. It feels to me at this stage, and I could be totally wrong, um, that it's kind of a gradual thing. I think that was actually one of the things that came across yesterday. Um, Charlotte Regan, who has a parenting podcast, um, who we have on the show, was saying that it's loads of little bite-sized conversations. And he made a great analogy of like, um, the easiest way to talk about it with your kids is like, if you're playing a game with somebody and they don't enjoy it, then it's not enjoyable for anybody. It's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's just basically having a conversation with them on their own terms about stuff they understand, where you get the, uh, when somebody says no, you stop language and way of, thinking about things and also uh, everybody needs to be enthusiastic about something otherwise it's no fun for anyone which I think is really the positivity message that they're trying to promote around this specific element in this conversation so it'll be interesting to see if it, if it crosses over uh, I hope it does cross over into the mainstream where people start talking about the pleasure of sex as opposed to all the myriad dangers and like oh it's really for pregnancy and disease because that's basically how we got taught about it God, I'm just thinking of the amount of times over the years that I've heard one of my boys begging the other boy to stop and saying no several times before the other kid stopped whatever it was, whether he was thumping the head off him or messing with his blankie or stealing his toys or flicking the TV channels. So it's a good reminder. I can now use that as an as the first opportunity to put in place the tiniest and first building block towards the future discussions around consent. Excellent. And that's it, really. Like, it actually isn't that. I, I I know before there's been massive issues that people have gone like, where does consent start and when is it revoked? And like, obviously, you can get into the nuances of those conversations, but ultimately, it's. I always felt like it's fairly common sense that there's there is when you boil it down is like, uh, is the consent obvious or not? And if it's not, then just ask. And like. You know, sometimes that's going to cause a situation to stop, but it's far better than the alternative. Um, I think the other thing is that, like, uh, it's not a it's not a male issue, it's not a female issue, it's an all society issue. But men can't stand back and let the women run the campaign to have the conversation around consent. That's it's very easy for us to sit back and go, oh, you know, let the let the uh, women take the lead on this and tell us all what we should be doing, and then agree, and then off we go about our business, and it hasn't landed so. Um, it was really just trying to get that conversation going in WhatsApp groups, calling out behavior in conversations with people who you um, who you know, and in conversations in your own relationships too. It'd be great to get some uh, interaction from people who have gone through this over the last couple of years. We're probably heading uh, right into it at the moment. I think sort of fifth classes when um, the school side of it kicks in a bit more. So there will be a lot of conversations had over the next couple of years as to ways you were able to connect with your kids yeah um i know adrian has to go so maybe we'll put a pin in it for this week but we can definitely come back to it next week if anybody has any thoughts on that that cast it off the ball dave yeah good stuff no i'm just uh thanks for bringing that up towards the end it's definitely something we'll come back to thanks to all our correspondents as well this week great stuff. more of that yeah yeah, Sidecast is in partnership with Nivea Men. Want to feel great in your skin? Nivea Men has you covered from sensitive tailored skincare to cleansing and anti-age. Try Ireland's number one men's skincare brand. We will see you next week, folks. Cheers. Dad pod. Well, this is a video thing as well. Have a name. Podcast. Or midlife crisis. Howdy daddy. Mm. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Dadcast. That's not bad, actually. Dadcast. With Nivea Men. Try Ireland's number one skincare brand.